This will be our third message in the last two weeks from the book of Job. Turn to Job 28. Job 28. Our text will be just the one verse. Verse number 28. Job chapter 28. And the last verse of the chapter. Verse number 28. I'm going to ask you if you would please, out of respect for the word of God to stand with me and read this text uh, with me. The book of Job, of course, uh, right there in the middle of your Bible, uh, right right before the book of Psalms, right right in the middle of your Bible. And, of course, Job's story is pretty, pretty well known even among unbelievers. Most everybody's heard about Job. And uh, some, of our, some of our little sayings we use today even, uh, uh, came came from the book of Job, and uh, but anyway, uh, Job uh, lost basically lost everything. Lost ten children in one day. Lost all of his business enterprises. He was a very wealthy man, very influential man. He was a godly man, a God fearing man. We learned that right at the beginning of the book. He avoided things that were evil, and uh, as we'll see here today, that is part of fearing the Lord. And um, his wife, she walked out on him. She said, curse God and die. I can't take this anymore. But Job just wouldn't quit on God. And God didn't quit on Job, and Job wouldn't quit on God. Amen? And in the end, God restored Job and blessed him. And I read it this morning, gave him twice what he had before his trials. We have a good God, don't we? I want to draw your attention just to this one verse. I want you to read it aloud with me. We're in Job 28. The last verse in the chapter is verse 28. And read aloud with me, if you would, please, together. And unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Behold the fear of the Lord. Behold the fear of the Lord. I want to speak to you on that subject this morning. Father, please help me to be a help to your people, a challenge and encouragement. Uh, May your people be edified this morning, built up in our faith, built up in our Christian walk. May we leave here closer to God than when we walked in. Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know the Lord as their Savior, please draw them to yourself. Prick their heart today and help them to see their need of Christ and in humility call upon the Lord and and trust Jesus Christ alone as Savior. Let it be be done now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. That word behold, as in our text and in the title of the message this morning, is a lot like our word look. Now, we use it in different ways, but in particular, when you're trying to draw someone's attention and you point and you say, hey, look, look at that, look. That is much like the Bible word and usage of the word behold. It's used over 1,300 times in the Bible. And the Webster's Dictionary, 1828, and older dictionary is better when it comes to understanding Bible words, by the way. Oldest English Dictionary, 
that uh, I know of that's available, uh, that I have uh, available to me anyway, uh, says that the word behold means to fix the eyes upon, to see with attention, to observe with care. Let me say it again. Uh, The dictionary Webster said to fix the eyes upon, focused attention, to see with attention, paying attention to, to observe with care. Uh, Let me give you some of the uses. Usages. Do you remember John the Baptist there at the river? And uh, the crowds were there. And here comes Jesus. And what does John say? Behold. Hey, everybody look that way. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What was he trying to do? He was trying to draw the attention of the crowds. And by the way, these were great crowds. The Bible said all the people lived up uh, up to Jordan uh, uh, came out to the river. All the people that lived in Judea, uh, 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 the, the greater Jerusalem area, uh, came. All the people from the city poured out and came to the river to see this man of the desert uh, 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 preach fearlessly. And uh, even the Pharisees showed up one day. John the Baptist called them out. Uh, and uh, he, he called them out for their hypocrisy, and they turned tail and left. And uh, anyway, they couldn't handle it. But anyway, but G- uh, John the Baptist, uh, second cousin of Jesus, is, uh, is uh, drawing attention to the Savior, the Lamb of God, God's Lamb. And he said, Behold, look, everybody turn your attention that way. The Lamb of God. Uh, the angel drew our attention when he said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And again, when the angel said, Behold, look here, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus, as he taught, turned our attention to the little animals. Behold the fowls of the air. They toil not. They gather not into barns. But the Lord feeds them, doesn't he? Behold, uh, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints, the Bible tells us. In the New Testament. And 1,300 plus other times. The word is used. Now. Sometimes. Truths. Are best taught. By observing people. Who personify. That truth. Patriotism is that way. How do you define patriotism? You say well patriotism is somebody who loves their country. Uh, somebody who would uh, give their life for their country, somebody who's loyal to their country. And, and that's a, certainly an explanation. But you see an old World War II veteran. Take about a minute to get up out of his wheelchair when the national anthem is played. And watch him with his stooped back and his trembling hand. Salute the flag. I'm going to tell you something. You learn something about patriotism. You can't get out of a book. Wisdom in the Bible is personified as a lady. She, she, she. Over and over again in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is personified. Here our text says, look, look, look. Draw your attention this way. Let us all see something. Let us all fix our eyes upon something. Let us all with attention see. Not a blank stare, but actually look and observe. Let us 
Observe with care. Look, behold the fear of the Lord. Several months ago, I I read a a story about a 16-year-old young man. And he had worked hard. His parents taught him to, to work as a kid. And he worked in odd jobs and this and that, saving his money. By the time he was 16, he was able to buy himself with his own money that he had earned a very nice pickup truck. And he went to the parts store. And he's in line at the parts store, and the man at the checkout counter, the clerk there at the checkout counter, was a middle-aged man. While this young man is standing there, with, he's got some parts in his hand that he just bought at the auto parts store. He's going to go home and work on his pickup truck that he bought with his own money. And he's going to fix it himself. He's standing in line, and his, his little track phone, his little flip phone, Starts ringing. And the middle-aged cashier behind, man behind, ringing him up, smirked at him. He said, I got a 16-year-old boy. He wouldn't be caught dead with a dinky phone like that. They made fun of his phone, flip phone. That 16-year-old young man looked at the gentleman that was checking him out. He said, sir... Would you like to know why I have a dinky phone? He said, it's not because I can't afford a different phone. I said, I'm buying these parts to go out so I can go home and work on my pickup truck that I bought with my own money. He said, I I can buy a nicer phone. He said, but you know, I learned something about those smartphones. He said, there's a lot of filth on those things. And I know some people who've got a lot of that filth in their head and it's messed up their lives. He said, you know, to me that don't sound like a really smart phone. He said, I have a flip phone because I think that's what I need. And that man very humbly said, son, I wish my 16-year-old boy would say something like that. And I respect you for what you're doing. Behold, this 16-year-old young man with a flip phone. Behold, this young man who doesn't care if somebody thinks he's cool because he's got a digital something in his hand. Behold a young man that values his purity. Behold a young man who cares about avoiding evil. Behold a young man who wants a clean thought life. Behold the fear of the Lord. Amen. That's what we see in that young man. Behold a 17-year-old young man. He is a slave. Because of his hard work and his wisdom, he has been promoted. He works on the estate of a high military official. In ancient Egypt. He is. Because of his hard work and his wisdom. Made. Perhaps. Perhaps even while still a teenager. Certainly no more than. His early twenties. He was enslaved at seventeen. 
but in just a few, very few short years, his hard work and his wisdom have been noticed, and he has been made superintendent of the entire state. He has keys to everything. The master, who is a high military official in Egypt, gave this young man full jurisdiction over all of his business dealings, all of his financial affairs, over his entire estate and household, even so much that the owner doesn't even really know what he has. He trusts it all to this young man. He is able to come and go into the man's personal home, to his private residence, as well as all the other buildings on the estate. He is able to come and go as business required into the man's own personal residence. Then one day, with keys in hand, he enters the master's residence. And the master is not home. And for whatever reason, other servants in the house were not at home that day either. And that's when temptation came to visit this young man. The Bible words of Potiphar's wife to Joseph were this. Lie with me. Lie with me. We're the only ones in the house. No one will have to know. And what did young Joseph say, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? To fear God is a reverential respect for God, an acknowledgement that there's a God who knows all and sees all. And you might be in a house alone, but you're not alone because there's a God in heaven who sees all and knows all. The fear of the Lord is a constant awareness of who He is and of His power, and of His holiness. And in 18, 19, 20, maybe 21, that most 22-year-old young man said, I cannot do this great wickedness and sin against God. What kind of 16-year-old young man prefers a flip phone over a smartphone? I'll tell you what kind. A God-fearing young man. What kind of young man would spurn the unholy advances that no doubt would have enriched him even more? I'll tell you what kind. A God-fearing young man. Hey, behold Joseph. Behold Joseph. Hey, hey, young people, you want a hero? Let me give you one. Let me give you an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young man of well-favored, wise, God-fearing. Hey, right there's, hey, listen, hey, right there's a hero for you. Behold in his life the fear of the Lord. I'm thinking about our own Mr. Cook preaching to our children just now principal of our Christian school, saved as a fifth grade boy. When Dr. Carl Hatch preached one night in the old auditorium over there on a Wednesday night, years and years ago. And 
those of us that have been his leaders for these years remember that season of his life. Born again young man and just struggling with this crowd. Which way was he going to go? What crowd would he choose? He had a good good buddy. He's very talented and as a tenth, eleventh grader had already had colleges uh, making offers to him and um, had so much potential as far as athletic ability. But also the wrong crowd and the wrong things. And I've heard him tell the story. You've heard him tell the story, most of you anyway. How that he made a hard decision, an opportunity to go off with his buddy, his best buddy, which would mean some things he knew he shouldn't be involved in in his life. Making that decision and sitting in his car right in the parking lot of the church, lonely, thinking, what am I doing? And Mr. Youth Pastor comes walking up. Hey, man, what you doing? Hey, ride with me here. I don't remember where they went, what they did. But I remember your daddy paid an interest to it. And he chose the right path. He chose the right path. I'll say this carefully because very likely the family will hear what I'm saying. I want to say this carefully and respectfully. That dear young man with so much promise and athletic abilities went home early to be with his Lord and Savior. He had clearly professed his faith in Christ. I, I believe that he was indeed saved. But he got away from the Lord, made a very critical, bad decision that wound him up in the hospital for two years before he finally slipped off into eternity. I would say of this man that will sit here tonight and many others who's been in his position where the crowd wanted to go one way and God's Spirit was leading another way, where the Bible set this standard and this crowd wanted to live by another standard, and a young man who said, I'm going the Bible way, I'm going the right way. If it means I lose a friend, I lose a friend. I say to you, all eyes this way, behold, behold, behold the fear of the Lord. Behold the fear of the Lord. What kind of young man to be a stick in the mud and not go along? What kind of young man thinks he's better than everybody else, thinks he's holier than everybody else, don't want to go with us like we're bad people? I'll tell you what kind, a young man that fears the Lord, that kind. The kind we need. 24-year-old young man was offered the wine and the king's meals meat that had been offered to false idols. And young Daniel purposed in his heart, I will not defile myself with the portion of the king's meat or the wine which he drinks. What kind of 24-year-old thereabouts thinks he's too good to drink wine, thinks he's too good to eat meat that's been offered to idols, Purposes in his heart that he's not going to go with the with the uh, 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 the program that's set up. To, he, he's he's been brought there to be trained to serve in the king's court. What kind of young man to be tra- professionally trained, uh, 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 academic, uh, uh, phenomenal academic opportunity? His mind to be developed to be a counselor to the king. What kind of a young man 
would in that environment take such a stand, be willing to lose his position, perhaps even his life, for defying the king. I tell you what kind, the same kind of young men who about uh, about uh, 65 years later, when he's in his late 80s or maybe 90 years of age by this time, when they told him he couldn't pray, you can't pray to anybody for the next 30 days, you can't pray to anybody. He went right back where he always did, opened his window up, prayed aloud three times a day, morning, evening, noon and evening, and Daniel got on his knees as a 90-year-old man, and he said the same conviction that he had when he was in his 20s. What kind of man are we talking about? We're talking about a God-fearing man. Listen, you want to learn something about how to fear God? You watch the people that fear God. You watch the people that take a stand. You watch the people who value holiness. You watch, I'm not talking about the ones that are, 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 are half time in the world and half time of God. I'm talking about those who have a clear testimony. People know where they stand, not ashamed of Christ. Behold the fear of the Lord. Daniel's friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You bow or you'll burn. They said, the king, you better think about this. You want to burn? They said, we don't have to think about it. Amen. Here's what they said. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. You give you the ship translation. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to labor over that. We don't have to, be, we don't have to give a carefully worded answer. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They said, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if not, we still won't bow. So they were bold. Yeah, I think that's pretty bold. But then they kind of revealed they had some doubts too, didn't they? Our God's able to deliver us. But in case he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Amen. Let me tell you something. Everybody who takes a stand for Christ is not some necessarily some big, bold, outspoken, no fears. Listen to me. Listen, every one of us deals with the same fears. The fear of man bringeth a snare. Every one of us is concerned. That's what, listen, that's why we want a tennis shoes to have a little swoop that goes this way and not that way. Why? Fear of man. Probably made in the same factory. <laughs> why? Well, we, we, I mean, you know, come on, mama. These are, yeah, these are 130. And these are 13. Yeah, but these $130, the, the stripe goes this way. And that one, it goes that way. I can't wear shoes like that. The stripe goes that way. Behold, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. As the king was looking down into the fiery furnace. I said, did we put three people in there? Yes, sir. Three. He said, I see four. One of them, like the Son of Man. Amen. The Son of God. Like the Son of God. Yeah. Jesus was walking with him in the fire. Amen. Hey, see down there in the furnace? Behold the fear of the Lord. Amen. Behold the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 8 and verse number 13, the Bible said, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. How do you describe the fear of the Lord? One, one way you describe the fear of the Lord is you're not, you're not a pacifist when it comes to evil. You hate evil. You don't tolerate it. You don't put up with it. You don't just, you don't stay tight-lipped about it. You hate it. I mean, you hate it. You hate evil. He was a linebacker 
for the University of Chicago. He's walking back to his dorm from football practice. Had his helmet tucked up under his arm. He's walking across the campus. There was a greenway there on the campus and a, a little platform where anybody could come, place a public speeches could be made. And a man, on a given day, had advertised himself to be there as an atheist. And he stood up on his little platform and a little small crowd that was there began to defy God. Raised his hand toward heaven. He said, if there's a God in heaven, let him knock me off this platform. Well, number 57 was a born-again believer. He got his helmet, put it on, strapped the chin, got down, took off. 300-plus pounds coming at him, about 800 miles an hour. Hit that man, knocked him off the platform, threw him flat on his back. Man, couldn't breathe, finally got enough breath. said, what'd you do that for? He said, God was busy, so he sent me. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Hate evil! Hate evil! Let me tell you something. God, give us some young men and some middle-aged and some old men and some young men, young ladies, middle-aged, old as well, that are not ashamed to be Bible believers, not ashamed to be a child of God, not ashamed to have your name in the Lamb's book of life, not ashamed to be different in the world, but not of the world. We don't just say, no, thank you, but say, I ain't putting that poison in my body. Oh, come on, whatever, you chicken. No, I just value brain cells, you ding-dong. No, thank you. Behold the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 23, 17, the Bible said, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but, this is in contrast, be thou in the fear of the Lord. All the day long. So you have the fear of the Lord and and corresponding opposite is to be envious of sinners. Do you know, listen, this is a common struggle among God's people. David struggled with it. Asaph struggled with it. Solomon struggled with it. Job struggled with it. You read about it. Why do the wicked prosper? It's like they don't have any problems. Why do those who don't fear God? Why, why do the same things seem to be going so well for them? And here I am trying to live right, trying to do right, and I'm having to struggle after struggle after struggle. It is common temptation to God's people. But my Bible says the fear of the Lord means you don't envy sinners. Let me help you with something. The best day of a sinner's life is today, and it just gets worse from here. And the worst day for a Christian is today, and it just gets better from here. Amen. Amen. Eternity in heaven. No pain, no heartache, no sorrow, no death. Amen. Amen. For a lost person, eternal hell, darkness, a continual falling, pain, agony, gnashing of teeth, torment. 
Let me tell you something, my dear friend. You know, listen, young people, let me say this to you in particular. Let me give you an attitude you ought to have to the world. Just to the world. Live it up. Help yourself. No, thank you. I want nothing to do with it. You know, a lost man, you know all he has in this life? All he has is his sin. That's all he has. And it brings a bitter end. Let not thine heart envy sinners. Be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. She had a good testimony. She was clean and pure. And everybody at school knew it. And many of the girls gave her a hard time for it. One day in the locker room, they backed her up against the wall, a crowd of them, jeering her and mocking her for being a little holy girl. And she straightened up her back and said to that jeering crowd, Anytime I want, I can be like you, but you can no longer be like me. Young people, don't envy sinners. Proverbs fifteen sixteen says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Behold, a William Borden who inherited Millions, and then gave it away to obey God's call on his life to go to the mission field. Behold, C.T. Studd, professional athletic career ahead of him, Ivy League training, well-to-do family, vast inheritance, who said, I'm going to live by faith. Gave his fortune away. Surrendered his life to go to the mission field. On the way over, he took a shine to a young mission girl, missionary girl by the name of Priscilla Stewart. And they fell in love, became engaged to be married. While they're engaged to be married, C.T. Studd learned of another financial holding of his family that was come to him, that was to come to him, he didn't even know about. He thought he gave all of it away. But he found out there was another financial holding that was that was his as soon as it was liquidated, would become his, a value of half a million dollars. So he said, I I'll keep that as a wedding present for Priscilla. We'll hit, we'll, we'll we'll have that to fall back on. That's pretty good but fall back on, isn't it? Priscilla caught wind of it, his fiance, and said, Honey, did not we commit our lives to live by faith? He said, Yes. She said, I don't want that as a wedding present. And they gave it away. Behold, C.T. and Priscilla Stewart. Behold, William Borden. Behold, the widow. And her two mites in the New Testament. Jesus said she cast in all her living 
She had next to nothing, but she put two little mites in the treasury. That day Jesus watched as many a wealthy person came by and put their gift into the into the coffers. And then little widow lady comes by and he said to his disciples, See that little widow lady has next to nothing? She's given more than anybody today. Why? Because she gave of her living, not of her abundance. She gave of her living. And my Bible said, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Behold the little widow lady. Behold uh, the fear of the Lord. Behold the World War II patriot. Behold uh, the 16-year-old with his flip phone. Behold a Joseph. Behold a Daniel. Behold a little lady in the corner of a locker room. Not ashamed to be pure. Behold... Fasten your eyes on some God-fearing people who are not ashamed to be devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 14, 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. Hey, young people. I'm a little backward. I'm a little shy. I suck my thumb. Let me help you. You know to give you strong confidence? A reverential respect and awe and awareness of a holy, all-knowing, almighty, ever-present God who sees us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. When you have that kind of an awareness of God and a respect and a deep reverence for God, the Bible says the righteous are bold as a lion. It'll give you confidence. It'll give you... By the way, you have that kind of confidence, you won't have to go through life explaining yourself. Uh, son, what'd you... Well, mama, I, just, mama, I, I, I was going to... And mommy, this... You do right, you don't have to do all that explaining. Amen? By the way, you do right, you don't have to remember what you told the other person. You can just tell the truth to everybody. Amen? Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is clean. 2009, we loaded up a couple of vans. Took a couple dozen young people off to a youth meeting, youth conference. We got up to Danville, Virginia. Stopped off at a McDonald's. All God-fearing teenagers like McDonald's. Um, I don't know how many of this were. There were maybe <clears throat> 35, 30, 40. This list used probably driving the van. <clears throat> Man walked up to me. He said, Sir, I'd like to thank you for the way this group of teenagers is dressed. I said, you're welcome. We took those kids up to a youth conference near Chicago, and we're sightseeing, looking around. And a man walked up to me on the streets with his teenage daughter in the city of Chicago. He says, Sir, it's good to see you all out here dressed like that. All this happened in the same handful of days. A group of the boys that were on that trip with us went to an old country buffet. I don't know, it was probably about 15, 
boys and myself. I'm sure Brother Hamilton was there. Maybe another leader or two. But I'll never forget sitting in that old country buffet and an elderly man who sat a couple tables near us finished his meal and he came walking over where we were and stood at the end of our table. He said, it's so nice to see young men well-groomed, well-mannered, and well-dressed. Then he said this. He said, I taught school for 38 years and I'm a veteran. He said, I felt safer in combat than I did teaching the last 20 years. Now, I don't know where he taught. I don't. Must have been a bad place. But that's exactly what he told us. What kind of young ladies would dress modestly with femininity to go on a bus trip? What kind of teenage boys would be clean cut, laugh and talk and smile and say yes sir and yes ma'am and pass out gospel tracts at the gas station, the rest area? I tell you what kind... God-fearing young people. God-fearing young people. Young people who love and respect God and love and respect His Word, not better than anybody else. Made out of the same dirt as anybody else. But young people who understand there's a God who sees all and knows all. And He loves me and I love Him and I don't want to displease and dishonor Him. Two points. Number one, Get your eyes back on the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. The race that is set before us. Here it is. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Folks, let me say this. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. Christianity is about Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. If you want to get your eyes on broken people and people who claim to be Christians, people who say, I'm saved, don't have much of a testimony, and become disillusioned with the truth that you find in this eternal book right here, you go ahead, but it won't help you and it won't help them. I got news. We're all made out of the same stuff. We all fail. Some of the greatest characters in the Bible, God records both their victories and and their failures and every one of us. Oh, to walk humbly with God every day because we are living in a sinful world and any one of us could fall. But by the grace of God, we, we, we are only by the grace of God are we here today. Let us keep our eyes on Christ, not become disillusioned with truth because someone who once represented the truth failed. No, keep your eyes on Jesus. But I think our text this morning also encourages something else. Yes, look to Christ. But you remember what Paul said? He said, follow me. I'm following Paul's a man. That's in the Bible. Follow me, what? As I follow Christ. Our highest loyalty is to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But God has so laid out His truth to be passed from one generation to another that it is vitally important that all of God's people Look to others who fear the Lord. Behold the fear of the Lord. 
Behold the 16-year-old with the flip phone. Behold the teenage girl backed into the corner of the locker room. Behold number 57 as he buttons his chin strap. Behold those who've had a good testimony. Listen to me. You know, I went to church and I knew a preacher and he went bad. Listen, you can show me a preacher went bad. I can show you some preachers that went bad. But for every preacher who went bad, I can show you a hundred who've been faithful. A hundred who didn't make the front page of a newspaper. A hundred who didn't get on somebody's gossip column on the internet somewhere. Listen to me. There is a generation of God-fearing people, many sitting in this room, who love their Lord. They're not perfect, but they're sincere. And day by day, and week by week and year by year continue by God's grace to walk in the fearness and the awareness of a holy God. Now if you want to, you can pick out a few sour apples and excuse your backslidden condition or you can say, God help those that are broken. God help those that fail to be restored. But boy, thank you for sister so and so. Thank you for brother so and so. Thank you for my Sunday school teachers. Thank you for the ones that taught me in, the, in my classes. Behold the fear of the Lord. Get your eyes off the fallen and on the host of God-fearing men and women who quietly go about their lives day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade. The 2021 census of our country recorded 332 million people. Just barely shy of that in the United States. 332 million. 118 million of them watched the godless halftime show last Sunday while I was preaching from this pulpit. One out of three. One out of three Americans. Behold. Look. Get your eyes in your admiration. Where Everybody all right? Breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Don't need anybody to pass out just now. If you want to be a God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman, a God-fearing young person, you get your eyes on those who fear the Lord. Would you bow your heads, please? Heads bowed, eyes closed.